0: Hi, this is Jordan Moorhead, and this is the Austin Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, we have a special guest, not from Austin, Brian Lanes, actually in the LA area. He works at a Beverly Hills brokerage with a broker who's primarily in commercial investment sales. But really, what they do is they look out for high net worth individuals on both the residential and the commercial side and they do business all over the LA area and sometimes in different states because they're looking out for these families and they're not just trying to make transactions happen. But I'll let him tell you all about that. Brian, thank you so much for coming on here. I appreciate you having me, Jordan. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, me too. So obviously, you're crushing it in real estate. I know we have a mutual friend told me all about all the things you're doing in real estate. Can you tell us what you're your last year in real estate, it's looked like?
1: Yeah. So in the last year, um, we trans and on the residential end, we transacted on about $45 million in business. Wow. Um, now that, that, that image can be skewed because for some people that may mean a hundred transactions and for us that can mean five. So, you know, we're really, we're really a relationship uh, oriented office. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we look at it as a, boutique brokerage that facilitates everything from brokerage, sales, financing, everything but property management. That's the best way to put it. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. You're really looking out for the the people that put their trust in you. And I think that's so important when we're talking about real estate transactions because people are putting their biggest decisions and some of the highest dollar purchases they'll ever make in your hands. So
1: really yeah, and when you that. get when you get to that league or when you get to that level of buyer, mm-hmm. um, it's really difficult to get your foot into that circle because they don't tend to trust many people. Sure. And then once you are, you want to make sure that they're um, they're being taken care of on all aspects. You know, it's not the deals that we do aren't necessarily about. The, the commission fee um sometimes a lot majority of the time 95 percent of the time it's about making sure that the client is taken care of um and again it goes your our uh your biggest money maker are your clients because those, those are the guys that will refer you the most so i'd say we go above and beyond for individuals at a high level that most offices don't do we're not a volume off uh, centered Business, mm-hmm. um, the transaction size is high, so that you know it, it pays for your time for certain. And um, we're also cultivating relationships with people who are not fond of working with new people.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Especially when they're putting so much trust in the people they're working with. So, Brian, obviously, forty-five million in volume in a year is amazing. That's a huge transaction volume, no matter where you're located. But could you tell our listeners how you got started in real estate? So, I I mean, obviously, I don't know your age. How old are you? 24. 24. Yeah, you look pretty young, man. I mean, how did you get started in real estate and how are you crushing it so quickly?
1: Well, you know, I, you, I'd really have to go back towards the start of my life. And get, yeah, there's really no other way around it. Because the reason that I'm, I feel like I'm able to do well at this age is because I got started so early and learned business acumen and adaptation skills um, from lower level businesses that parlayed really well into the current business so mm-hmm. you know just to kind of give you a little bit of a background I started working when I was about 11 years old I started a business where I'd repaint people's curbside address you know I was a product of a really tough upbringing um in and out of you know child protective care type situation I've always been a hustler at the core um like many kids who are in a troubled background you get in trouble a lot <laughs> you, you're you're loud you're outrageous you get in trouble in school but what I was always good at was talking I still can't shut the hell up. I'm working yeah. on that. Um, but I was, uh, I was about 11, 12 years old and I started this business where I made a little stencil kit and my brass stencils and I'd run around the neighborhood and I'd knock on people's doors to repaint their curbside address. And I learned really quickly that I could use my, um, personality traits that were inherent in the, uh, adaptation skills that I had learned from the difficult environment that I was in to, um, understand who someone was pretty quickly, understand their pressure points and, you know, kind of get them to like you. One of the, you know, I still work on this with flirting with girls. This is a bad example, but one of the <laughs> hardest things is in the first 15 seconds is to get someone to like you. And if you can do that, you can uh, pretty much get do anything. That's what I think at least. That's awesome. So you talked
0: about uh, being in and out of child protective services, that kind of stuff. Um, and you started a business really young too. So Why did you go start a business at 11? A lot of people at 11 aren't saying, hey, i got to go out and make money,
1: other than just doing my chores or doing something like that, you know? Yeah, totally. So, you know, I was in a really troubled household. Mother addicted to really hard drugs. Father left when we were young. Mother beating the shit out of us all the time. You know, it, yeah. the definition of what people refer to as a crack house, you sleep on the floor with cockroaches on your face. There's tweakers in and out of the house every night. Um, And, I, you know, I believe you're a product of your personality and you're a, a, a portion, a product of your environment. And I, I can't, I got to say, I, I was lucky to be born with a personality that was hungry. I think a lot of people born in that type of environment don't necessarily um, have the inherent traits to help themselves to want to do better without much guidance. Now that's not saying that anybody in that, that situation can't help themselves do better. Um, but I was lucky to, I got to say lucky is a bad word. I was blessed to have found the, um, the business model that my personality would fit well into at a young age. Um, so again, you know, coming from a place where you're, uh, you got a mother that's addicted to really hard drugs and there's tweakers in and out of the house every night. And, and she's always, on the cusp of beating the shit out of you, uh, you start to, you know, if you can adapt to that, it's pretty easy to get someone to like you and knocking on their door. So, you know, that's kind of how I think about it. Um, again, I, your, my view is your product portion of product, your environment your portion, your inherent personality. And my inherent personality took the lessons that I was learning from the, the the trouble I was enduring and trans you know translated that into the business that fit me the best.
0: Mm -hmm. Well you took a major negative and made it into a positive there too. So you talked about that hey a lot of people don't have the example to do better. Or that somebody coming in to help them. Did you have anybody around you that was like, hey Brian, you know there is a better way or or here's how we can get out of this situation.
1: Not at that time. It wasn't until I was um, older that I I did have that sort of guidance. Again, I think I was just inherently a hustler Mm -hmm. and inevitably – well affluent individuals or, or successful individuals in their field, I think saw that and, um, and then gave me that sort of mentorship opportunity, just like we had mentioned before, the guy that I'm working with now, he's, he's been the number, I will always look at him as my mentor in my life. Um, he's taught me so much about life and business. And I, you know, I don't think he would have given me that shot had I not had, um, you know, the traits that I learned growing up, but also then a little bit of the inherent personality. But again, a lot of 95% of this can be coached, but at the same time, you know, you mentioned not looking at, uh, my situation as a curse. And I, i still, to this day, I struggle with that. Um, I think that you can either look at it, something as a blessing or a curse, and it's your choice. And you make that decision every day because I could have looked at that, um, situation and, and taking in all the negatives from it rather than taking the positives, and the positives were the lessons I learned. So, in any situation in life, positive or, or negative, there's things to be learned from it. Mm. And um, you can either choose to be the uh to have that as a, a burden or a blessing. And I kind of look at it as a blessing because at the end of the day, I don't. I know for a fact there's not many 24 year olds that are doing this, so it's like it really was a blessing deep down, right? So, I think if you if you take the lessons that you learn from, whether it was struggle or or not, you take the lessons and you apply them to life, you can be pretty well off.
0: No, that's the the perspective is so important. Like, I think whether you say, "And hey, it's because things were so bad when I was younger that I realized how great things are now," but I I really think that. Having bad times makes it so much easier to say, Wow, look how great things are. And then you can keep that perspective. You know, you seem like a really happy person, Brian. And there's probably all sorts of reasons why you could not be happy. Real estate is a stressful business a lot of times. You know, what we do day in and day out can be stressful if you let it be stressful, but it can also be the greatest thing ever. And it's all about your perspective and it's all about how you show up every day. And I really get the feeling that you show up happy and ready to go every day.
1: Well, rain or shine, right? And today's perfect yeah. example. It is <laughs> raining here. but And I mean that in terms of how you feel. And it's funny you yeah. mentioned that because I was just with a buddy of mine who's a broker. And mm-hmm. you know, unless you own cash flowing real estate, mm-hmm. us as brokers, we're bleeding 100% of the time. Yeah. You're bleeding as soon as you get the next check. You're still bleeding until the next check. You get the next check you're bleeding again. It's just putting a patch onto something, right? Mm -hmm. Because we have no consistent salary. Um, it can be very troublesome. It can be very difficult. And there's a lot of times where you're wondering, you know, how I'm going to, how am I going to get paid before I bleed out? And I think just having that belief in yourself that at the end of the day, um, you, your knowledge of the market and your capabilities and your, consistency, you know, like there, if you consistently put yourself out there, I don't really believe that you'll fail because I think once, once you fail the first time, then you'll learn a lesson about what you could have done better the next time. And, and, um, you know, again, I was having another conversation with a friend this weekend. Um, if, if I talk to a hundred people in one night and they talk to five, my outcome and my opportunities are going to be likely be a lot greater. And that's just mm-hmm. a factor of volume in our business. is a huge volume game and it's, it, it's a volume game, but it's also, um, a preparation game, um, you know, learning from your last mistake so that it doesn't, transpire again in your in your next endeavor and again every conversation i have is a new endeavor and i don't look at things as, as transactional um rather i look at them as i like talking to people in elevators this just happens to be what i do so i'm not going to not tell them and if they want to work with me they want to work with me if they don't they don't You're like a realtor's are a dime a dozen um, yeah. and no one is any no one is anybody's client no one has to work with you but if you If you put out positive energy and and you're um, knowledgeable about your market and you care, like I care, like I I don't think I can fail because I want this more than I want to breathe. I I shit you not. Like I wouldn't, I don't think I'd want to breathe if I wasn't doing this. And I know that sounds crazy, but that's how, that's kind of my mindset. You know, the days that you're, you've got so much on your plate, do you choose to sleep? Do you choose to get it done? And I think that's really what separates them. separates people in this business there's, there's a lot of people that make 100 grand a year or 50 grand a year or 150 grand a year there's not many people that make 5 million bucks a year or 10 million bucks a year there's actually a handful of those guys and how bad do you want to be that guy and i think that that's a, a product of you know how hard you work you know another thing my boss told me which I, i'll keep i'll take this to my grave you know people go into their office and they work eight hours a day four of those hours they're totally BSing. they're on their phone in between the water and the coffee and going to the bathroom. If you go into the office for 12 hours a day, you're going to put in eight hours of work. Four hours, you're going to BS. That means you automatically got double the productivity of everybody else. Now, if I do that five days a week, plus I work on the weekends, plus I talk to every single person I can at a restaurant, elevator, bathroom, wherever it may be, then there's no way that you could be beaten, right? Unless, Mm -hmm. Unless you were just, quote, unquote, unlucky. You just didn't get the same timing opportunities. But you won't get those timing opportunities if you don't consistently put yourself out there
0: yeah yeah no those are great lessons so it sounds like you have a really good mentor where you are could you tell us a little bit about the bro more about the brokerage you work at and some of the lessons you've learned there on the investment on the investment side too so like obviously we've talked about you know building relationships putting in hard work uh having a great positive mental attitude super important hey guys this is jordan moorhead here and I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me, if you could go leave a review for this podcast, wherever you're listening to it, that would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing, and I'd be able to help more people. Thanks guys.
1: Yeah, so from, from the investment standpoint, um... You know, Because I'm more centered in residential real estate, I find – here's a better way to say it. I find myself very lucky to be in the office that I'm in because at the core, my boss is an investment sales broker and one of the top in the city, top in the nation over the last 30 years. So I'm, I'm privileged to be exposed to the deals and the conversations they're having. And some of the things that I have seen that I'm looking forward to getting into myself are – um more covered land play deals where you have uh, a smaller size asset that is cash flowing sitting on a large plot of land that has a future redevelopment use. And, you know, given my age, those type of deals make sense for me, right? Because those those leaseholds will be up 15, 20 years from now and the value of the dirt will likely gone through the roof and, and then you have optionality from there. So, you know, I also went to USC and I was in the real estate development program. And a lot of what I learned about investing is you, you got to try. And if you have a certain level, you know, if you, if you spend time to be somewhat sophisticated in understanding values, and um, you also have somewhat of a intuition towards why something may appreciate better than another thing. um, I, I think a lot of, a lot of the, you know, like a lot of this is gut. I know people want to act like it's, it's numbers, but you know, if you're buying two things at a five cap, how do you choose which one you're buying at a five cap? Well, what do you, do you believe in the city? Do you believe in the underlying real estate? Do you believe in the surrounding community? And what's your, what are the distinguishing reasons between choosing one or the other? And, um, I think a lot of the, a lot of real estate is intuition. Um, it seems like, and I think if, uh, if you spend enough time thinking about life and being aware of your surroundings and why people, what makes people tick, why people move the way that they do, here's an example for you, Jordan. 50 years from now, the population is going to double, from 8 billion to 16 billion. Mm-hmm. The need for housing is not going anywhere. You know, we need food, clothing and shelter. I think you can do away with clothing and, uh, food. It's really food and shelter. Food's probably the main one, right? But let's just say the population doubles over the next 50 years, which it's going to the scarcity of real estate in Los Angeles, specifically where we're landlocked by a mountain range in the ocean side. The need the the value of just the raw dirt itself has to just go up astronomically right and same the same goes for other other cities that are bordering any any type of water or other cities that are bordering a mountain range um and the entire united states as a whole doubling our population is outrageous i mean we already i don't know austin's the same way you guys already have too much people for the low level of infrastructure that you have and los Los angeles even worse because los angeles most people don't know this los angeles blew up in the during the during world war one when there was a need to build planes and now the infrastructure in los angeles is horrendous the commute between cities is terrible and that's why there's so many little bubble communities because these houses were just built so sporadically with a lack of um lack of uh how do you say uh, sophistication in the infrastructure to help people transit so that can't really change over time because they're not going to be able to redo the whole freeway system and move everybody's house so, again, as this continues, the desire to have beachfront real estate or the desire to have a view or the desire to have a big flat piece of land or to be centrally located, that demand is going to continue to go through the roof. So for that it points it back to the intuition aspect. Obviously, there's gonna be so many people that are just pissed at this podcast because there's so much more to real estate than just to intuition. But sure. My my uh surface level answer is population is gonna double and the need for housing isn't going anywhere. And I know for a fact in our city and yours as well, there's still a way more the need is far exceeds the supply. Oh, yeah. And and again, think- it's just a supply and demand answer at that point, right?
0: Yeah and people get it's easy to get caught up in the the immediacy of hey what's happening right now but like you're saying brian when you look out 50 years do you think we're going to have enough housing for everybody we already don't you know when the population (laughs) doubles in 50 years we're going to need a whole lot more housing and yeah in la like you said you've got the, the ocean right there you've got the mountains right here Land is extremely limited. Something we have a lot of land around Austin. We've got a lot of that. So it can be built, but it's gonna have to be built. And we've been able to watch over time, things get more expensive as you get further and further out over a long period of time. Yeah, maybe really cheap 45 minutes out 20 years ago, and now that price is 10X. But that's gonna continue to happen over a long period of time. So, like you talked about intuition, just put a little bit of thought into where you think the growth is going to happen and you can make excellent long-term investments. Like you talked 15, 20 years. It's pretty easy to figure that out. You just got to buy the vision and hold on.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, one of the ideal city models is cities work in a concentric circle, right? Mm -hmm. So the first circle and then the second circle is larger around that. And the next circle, well, that's, that's a very surface level way of looking at it, but it's true. And Los Angeles isn't a good example because you're bordered by the waterway and the mountain. And then also during the wars, they had to build all these planes. They just threw up a bunch of houses. So the, Los Angeles isn't the best example, but Austin's a great example um, because you can see you, you, I mean, if you've been to austin over the last 15 20 years the way that the city has grown is pretty much like a concentric circle right and there there's other fa- things that you can consider which are waterways and and you know modes of transportation and and how you're proximately located to those but at the end of the day if you take a, two three miles from downtown austin let's just say two three miles in any direction right now and you take it 15 years from now it is going to be worth astronomically more should be at least double triple it should be triple by then so you know if you look at it just from that standpoint you know i i don't know i i don't know too much about real estate outside of the city of los angeles But what I do know, and I've studied a lot, is the growth in the population, where that's headed, and the appreciation of cities and markets over time. They have gone nowhere but up, and you can't point to any city in this in in the state in the entire United States that hasn't responded in that way over the last twenty years.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, completely agree. It's just you know you got to buy in the path of progress, and you'll be in great shape. Obviously, in L.A., the path of progress is a little tighter because you've got those geographic barriers but anywhere you're at you got to pay attention to where things are growing and be there brian you've done a lot and i know you're just getting started so what's next for you what's your your vision for real estate for yourself and what are your long-term goals
1: um you know first i'd like you know we talked about as a real estate broker you're consistently bleeding because we're all commission-based and my first goal is to stop the bleeding which is buy cash flowing real estate right so Mm -hmm. at the end of the day no matter what i'm getting paid that's that's step number one um, is to buy stabilized assets you know step two would be then to remodel and develop real estate whether it's homes whether or apartment complex apartment complexes or whatever it may be Um, my main goal my main focus is still my i'm still very income driven at this time because the income is what's going to get me there you know i've um learned from other people that at my age you don't want to you want don't want to take your eyes off of that one stream of income um to, you don't want to start trying to float money into places um because your return on that income will be drastically more, and it'll give you so much more purchasing power um, from, through whether it's cash flowing real estate or buying crypto or whatever it may be. So at this point in time, my income's my my sole focus, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there is a huge portion of me, maybe it's a little bit ego-driven, that I want to be the best at what I do, right? Um, so I want to be the best number one guy in the city that everyone goes to and calls for buying or selling luxury single-family residential real estate. but I also want to develop that that those that type of real estate and again. It goes back to maybe it's a little bit of an ego thing. I, I grew up in the shittiest houses in the world. That would mean the world to me if I got to develop the coolest houses in the world. So that's, that's kind of my focus. And that's, again, a product of where I came from. And I also love architecture. I love design. And, you know, some of these houses that you get to walk through, they're not, they're sculptures. This isn't a house, you know? Mm-hmm. So to me, that's really cool from where I came from. And I feel like I have a level of appreciation for it. And again, there's probably gonna be a lot of people watching this podcast being like, oh my gosh, I have a lot of appreciation for $20 million houses too, um, which they likely would. And I, But I also think that there's a lot of things that that may not be houses that you can do that fits your personality better. I, I could never be a doctor. If, if there is a bloody, gory scene that comes up in a movie, I scream and cover my eyes. It's just not in my nature, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that means I couldn't become the best heart surgeon that there is. I couldn't become the best brain surgeon. But there are other people who can not only tolerate that, but have an ability to almost enjoy it, right? Um, and I think that's people need to find their strengths and what their uh, personality and the lessons that they've learned from the trials and tribulations they've gone through and where that parlays into the best. And for everybody, it's different. Yeah.
0: I think that's so important is finding your strength. And it sounds like it seems like you found your strength and your passion at the same time. So when you can find those two and they can converge and you can lean on that like you are, I mean, man, twenty four. You've got so much time to develop and get better at something you're already extremely passionate about and really good at. So you talk about being the best. I have no doubts that you'll be the best residential broker in any area of LA you want to be in. I know LA is huge. You probably don't want to drive all over the place all the time, but if you want to be the best broker in Beverly Hills. I think you got that no problem. Um, and Really smart observation. You said you've heard it from other people, but focusing on one thing for a period of time rather than going off in all these different directions, it's so easy to do that in real estate. And it's so admirable that you've learned that, hey, I'm going to focus on this one thing until it's undefeatable. And then I'll branch off and develop or invest in income producing real estate and stuff like that.
1: Really cool. Yeah. I'm trying to get better at, um, working, you know, kind of like a ninja and just sh- shaving off the distractions, you know, mm. just karate chopping away the distractions because there's a lot of those. And, um, I-, I was reading this book and I can't remember what book it was for the life of me. Um, but I'm, I- I'm trying to respond to everything with a yes or no answer based off of whether it benefits my one goal, which Mm -hmm. to some people may sound selfish, but I think at 24 years old, that's probably the only thing you should be doing. If this is what you desire, like I, I'm not the type of person that could kick back and watch I can't watch a movie on a Saturday night at 9 PM. There's no way I could do it on a Monday at 10 PM, 10 AM, you know? Mm -hmm. So for me, that, my desire and need to succeed and chase something is also part of the reason that I don't look at my past as a curse. Um, and it's because if I sit sedentary and I'm not progressing myself and not, not learning and growing within myself as a human being, my career, my health or whatnot, I would start to look at that stuff as a curse. And I think those are active decisions you make every day. Like, I I don't want to get up at five and go to the gym. I never want to do that. But I force myself to do it because it's those decisions that set you apart. And I promise you, if you move several hundred pounds at five o'clock in the morning, the rest of your day is pretty damn easy. There's not much that can come in front of you that's really that difficult. So, you know, I always go back to that example because for me, and I think for one hundred percent of society, working out is essential to mm-hmm. your overall well-being, your mental health, and it's not about a physical. It's not about a a, a physical appeal that you're searching for. You know, I think that's very veins, maybe the word, but it's that's not what it's about. For me, it's about putting yourself in an uncomfortable environment and overcoming that. And um I'm waking up at five o'clock in the morning, going to the gym, is pretty goddamn uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, it, it definitely is, and I think. You you touched on, so I, I like to wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning and go to the gym, but you talked about how making those decisions just makes everything easier in the day. I think after a while, after seeing the results of waking up at 5 o'clock in the morning, going to the gym and moving hundreds of pounds of weight, and how much easier just making those decisions makes the rest of your life and the rest of the decisions in your life, that it get, becomes fun. And like I can't wait to wake up at 5 o'clock oh, in the morning to go to the gym now. But if you would have asked me that five or six years ago and said, hey, are you are you excited to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and go to the gym? Definitely not. Not interested in doing that because it's not fun. And it's not that immediate gratification. But you see how much easier making the right decisions and working on yourself every day makes your life after even a short period of time. And you're like, all right, I'm in, no problem. Let's totally, and I
1: think people neglect that. And I think people also neglect the, the things that they eat and put into their body. And you know, again, something that I've heard that I will hold hold till death. One of the biggest signs of maturity is delayed gratification. Mm-hmm. And then, whether it's through f- the food that you eat, whether it's the time you go to bed, the time you wake up, and the decisions that you make all throughout the day, um, delaying gratification feels so much better in the long run. By example, here's a quick example how you get in 30 minutes. Go sit down at a restaurant, eat the un- most unhealthy thing on the menu, then eat the health- healthiest thing on the menu. At the time, I guarantee you the unhealthiest thing on the menu was way better tasting. But 30 minutes later, when you walk away from that table, how you feel about yourself, how you feel in your gut, and your ability to continue to move around through the day, it's completely different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, I mean that to me is a, 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 a even just a small example in the, the meal you eat at dinner, you know?
0: Yeah, the temporary gain for the long-term pain there's just never any fun in that. But you know, I really do think that by making those decisions over and over and over you get to see how rewarding like you're talking about the delayed <laughs> gratification, how rewarding it is over a long period of time and you're like, yeah, there's no no way I'm going back to eating eating that way or no not way. getting up and going to the gym or, or not making those cold calls or not talking to those people or, you know, and real estate, not saving up the money for that first investment. You know, once you make that first investment, it's like, all right, I want to do that again. That was great.
1: Yeah. I mean, Jordan, you've been around much longer than I have. How many guys have you heard that say, Oh my gosh, I wish I would have bought in 2012, but I, I would have bought in 2011, mm. I wish I'm waiting for the next downturn well, talk is cheap. Here we go. This is the next downturn. Are you going to take it? Are you, are you going to take advantage of this opportunity or let it go by the wayside? And you can probably wait till 2032 again.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. It's always, oh, I wish I would have done this or talking a big game, but yeah. people that take action over a long period of time consistently are extremely successful. And even on a small scale, you know, if you buy a property a year for 10 years, you're light years ahead of where somebody's going to be that didn't do anything ten years ago, and you're stopping the bleeding. You know, like you're talking yeah. about.
1: And life's a roller coaster. You know, like even with the gym, I it life is a roller coaster. I, I fail so many times. Like still to this day, I there's days, a couple days of the week, I won't be able to wake up to my alarm or what what not, and I'm working on not being so hard on myself about it now because you, you start to take it too seriously, mm-hmm. um, and you know you don't you don't want to beat yourself down because that's not that's not conducive of success either. It's not productive at all. Um, but it, it, life's a roller coaster, and maybe you missed one of those properties one year because you had a down year, but if you can sit, continue to be consistent or you work hard at being consistent in the best version of yourself. I mean the next year you buy two, and the next year you buy three. And then 10 years from now you're gonna look back when you go to refinance all those properties that now doubled in uh, in value, you pull out your cash tax free to go buy a hell of a lot more and you're like, I can't believe I wasn't gonna do this.
0: Yeah. No, great point of that. Brian, uh you know you've you've learned so much in a short period of time. Do you have any books that you like to
1: recommend to people?
0: Any business or mindset books, maybe?
1: Yeah, and you can't take it. The first one is number one. I mean, you can't take it literally. You got to take it with a grain of salt. But I think the Forty Eight Laws of Power is undoubtedly the most powerful book I've ever read. Um, It's there if you read it as if you're taking it literally. It's it's evil. Yeah, but if (laughs) you, it is just completely evil. But if you read it just for the content, you know, if you read it to to learn and to see. I I believe that each and every one of those laws is very true and very present in my life, and I feel like inherently we all have about half of them, maybe more than half of them. And if you can get better at working on the other half, um, in in a way, in an integral way, a way with you know, carrying yourself with integrity, being a morally good human being, but also understanding how people in the world operate. Um, I would say for me that was that was that's all that's been the Big, the best and the most success, the most beneficial for my business, um, personally, you know, when I was really, really young, I still have, it's, it's so, it's a, so like, um, it's so simple of a book, but the secret I read when I was super young and that's kind of what got me started and got me motivated. It's about the law of attraction. I still believe a lot of what that book says. Um, you know, I'm a huge fan of Jordan Peterson podcast. I think the way he can articulate himself um, and he his words resonate with you. You feel them when he speaks. Um that's very powerful. He has a specific podcast that I think it says I think it's I think it's called being proper in your speech or something along those lines. And for me personally, I, I want I want to be the best at vocalizing myself in the shortest manner. Yeah. So those those are important for my business and I don't know how they translate for others. So
0: no, I think being concise and straight to the point can be helpful for anybody. So that's really good way. So The Secret, 48 Laws of Power, and then Jordan Peterson podcasts
1: are your three Yeah, I listen to him every day.
0: Jordan Moorhead here. Really quick, he wanted to tell you a couple other ways you can keep track of us. If you want to listen to all these podcasts and ask questions, the Moorhead team on YouTube is the best place to be. And then Austin Real Estate Investors on Meetup is a great place to keep track of all of our meetups we have going on.
1: Okay. Yeah. 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 The secret's very, it's very low level reading, very easy to read. Um, But I, I, again, I read it when I was so young and it had such an impact on my life at that time. So if you have guys that are, 10 to 18, listen to your podcast. I tell them to rush and go read that and then watch this, watch the movie on Netflix because it's super easy to understand. And it may seem repetitive, but it's true. It's all true.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's great advice. So, Brian, if people want to learn more about you, find out more about you, reach out to you, what's the
1: best way for them to follow you or or reach out? Yeah. Probably on Instagram at Brian Lane, B R I A N L A N E dot R E so my Instagram is probably the best place to do so. I respond to every message I get from every podcast to go on. Cause I enjoy, you know, sharing advice to other people. Um, I wish I had come better prepared because I read about a book every other month. I wish nice. I had come better prepared with a list for you, but you know, I try to some of my skim, some of my audible again, you know, I, you, you can't always be perfect. Um, mm-hmm. but you just do your best to try to make a book every other month happen. Um, you know. I, I really like—I uh, forgot the guy's name, but he—he um, he wrote the Stoic um, Marcus Israelius is what a lot of his books are based off of. Ryan Holiday. Um, and I he, Ryan Holiday wrote *Discipline is yeah. Destiny*. That I—I mm-hmm. I really admire that guy, and I admire him because I feel like he—I'm so off the wall, and he's so composed, <laughs> and that's what I want to be better at.
0: Yeah. No. It's so I great. really admire um, his books. I've read a bunch of his books. They're all really good. Awesome. So at BrianLane.re, real estate, of course. And I'm at Jordan underscore Moorhead on Instagram. Brian, thank you so much for coming on here today. Sorry, it's not sunny for you there in LA. For people who can't see this, it's cloudy behind him. I didn't think he was in LA when he first jumped on, but uh, I'm sure it will be again here soon.
1: Yeah, I appreciate your time, Jordan. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, I appreciate it. Good talking to you. You as well. Have a good day, man.
0: You too.